1: Hello Bronco fans and NFL fans alike. My name is Jared coming to you from Denver Broncos Orange Weekly on our first ever podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening in and I hope you guys enjoy. Each week we will be bringing you a podcast to break down the ins and outs of whoever we were playing that week. So this being our first podcast and the first game of the regular season of 2017, we will be breaking down the Los Angeles Chargers. We're going to be breaking down the movements of the Los Angeles Chargers going from San Diego to LA. We'll be breaking down some matchups to look out for and anything that you guys would possibly want to add or you want to hear from us, please let us know and we will be absolutely happy to discuss them. Joining me each week is a very good friend of mine, Matt Milligan. Matt will be playing the antagonist to my Denver Broncos protagonist, and each week he will be giving you a rundown of the other team from the other team's perspective on what they're going to be doing against the Denver Broncos, while I'll be giving you the insight on how the Denver Broncos are going to be defeating that team. So this is going to be a fun time, give you a little bit of background on Matt, Matt was an offensive lineman at Bishops University in Canada where he majored in marketing, went on to coach in the Ottawa, Ontario community for quite a few years before deciding he wanted to chase his dream in the sports world. So he got accepted to the renowned and if not the best in Canada, Brock University for sports management where he's finishing up his last year. So we wish him all the luck finishing up that last year at Brock and he's going to be the next big thing to come out of Canada in the sports management world. So keep a lookout guy's got a brilliant mind for football, very smart, very good at doing his research, and I'm super excited to have him on as a co-host, so give him all the love you guys give me, and we'll we'll have a good time. So, So without further ado, welcome to the show. Orange man. Matt, thank you so much for joining us on the first ever podcast. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for helping me co-host this. Uh, it's been a, a, going to be a, a great season. And I definitely appreciate you being kind of the uh, the antagonist to our Broncos protagonist that I am. <laughs> so thank you so much.
0: Uh, it's my absolute pleasure. I'm very excited to do this. I'm a huge NFL fan. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to be your, your sworn enemy here for the next season. I'll, uh, I'll make sure to, to challenge you every week.
1: <laughs> well I definitely appreciate that and uh, makes my job easy because all I have to do is worry about the, uh, worry about the Broncos stuff it's you've got the hard job of looking at everybody else <laughs> that's okay I'm, I'm looking forward to it All right well let's get to it so uh, first game of the season for the Denver Broncos it's a late Monday night game. Uh, we do have two Monday night games for at least the first few se- first few games of the season and uh, that's gonna be kind of interesting because uh, anybody living near the East Coast those games start. 9:20, uh, I think, on the East Coast it starts, so it's going to be a late night for a lot of Broncos fans that are living on the East Coast. Let's go ahead and start with your thought process on the San Diego move. So San Diego is now in LA. Um, I know we were talking a little bit earlier off off camera, uh, but I, I do want to mention, um, you know, we talked about the Rams did not do. A great job last year. It's not like they went there and you know sold out their their stadium or even played well. Uh, do you think that's going to have an impact on how how the Chargers are going to play?
0: Yeah, I really think it will. Like this this Los Angeles cha- Chargers move is not necessarily something that's like optimistic in the football world because the Chargers had a great home in San Diego. They've been there for decades right so the move to la like like you mentioned earlier it really hurt a lot of fans and i think it's going to hurt the team as well even though like san diego and los angeles are not a a far commute it's going to be tough you know moving is an underestimated stress there's a lot of things that happen that we don't think about a lot of these players are going to have to move their families there's a lot of uncertainties a lot of things on their minds is going to distract them from you know the x's and o's of the game and on the business side of things too i mean the main reason why these franchises relocate it's it's a money thing. It's, it's purely based on the fact that San Diego, the city, the the, the mayor, and the, the whatever council we had going on to, to try and keep the Chargers did not come to an agreement with the ownership of the Chargers. So that means right. that the city wasn't willing to give them the money. They needed to build a new stadium and the Chargers weren't really willing to you know, move from their, their arguments or move from what they wanted. So that means they just decided to relocate to the first buyer, essentially. And Los Angeles, I mean, it's it's a city with a lot of money, it's a city with a lot of sports as well, you know, and the issue is right now is the Chargers are the last guys in the the building, you know, they're, they're the guys that just walked in and now they're going to be competing not only with Los Angeles Rams, like you said, they didn't do very well last year, that nobody was going to their games, but they also have the Lakers and they have uh, the Dodgers and they have... Uh, who else is in there? You got to help me out here. Uh, the uh, two hockey teams—they're with uh, or they have yeah. the Ducks, right, and then the, the Kings. That's it. The Kings as well. You know they've got a, a nice following. So I mean the Chargers are in there in a market with six, I think, other professional franchises. So it's it's going to be very difficult for them to, to to find their spot. And considering too that they're playing in a stadium with twenty seven thousand people that are able to to sit, that's that's oh, yeah. minuscule in, in terms of NFL stadiums. So you know. I don't know. I think, personally, like the, the Chargers team, the players, the top players on the team, the veterans, they're going to do fine. To them, it's just business. They're going to go on the field and they're going to perform. Some of the younger players might be a little uh, shaken up by the move, potentially. But the biggest issue, I think, is the Chargers brand and, and the business and the organization. They, they're they going to take a big hit in terms of fandom, in terms of sales, in terms of merchandising, in terms of ticketing, and in terms of a lot of things. So it's it's going to be a tough transition, that's for sure
1: right now, and and I think from what I can see, it looks like LA is trying to turn themselves into the New York of the West Coast, where, you know, they can have all these teams and still be super successful. If it doesn't happen right away, obviously we can't count it completely out. This is going to be kind of a, an experiment that it's going to be interesting to watch for sure.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Like, uh, you know, you, you've always heard that, like, the history of pop culture it's always you know east versus west it's always you know new york versus la it's you know biggie versus tupac it's always there's always <laughs> something there there's a competition so for la to be doing this i think it's that the minds in the right place they're really trying to become a sports hub but at the same time i mean I, los angeles is hollywood it's there's traveling it's one of the world's biggest airports there's just a lot of things going on in that city that i don't know if if sports is really the place you know for for la it's they might be looking at something else too but it's worth a shot i mean if they're doing it they have the money to do it and they have the the hopes to do it as well so best of luck for the Chargers. you know who knows
1: Obviously not best of luck to him first week, but uh, no. <laughs> I, ultimately, I think and and this is just a theory that I have, and I kind of hope that they end up moving back to San Diego. Maybe is that you think there's a possibility that San Diego's like you know what? Maybe we do replace the stadium and, and have San Diego back to bring in that income. Is that is that even a possibility or even on the on the table?
0: I the possibility is always there when you're looking at business. It's always you know if the money's right. You know, a deal can be made, but regardless, if, if LA, sorry, if the Chargers were to move back to San Diego, San Diego would have to give up a lot to get them back, because Chargers right now have the the, the edge on the negotiation, right? So, I think they what they do have, though, is they have an edge on the Rams, because the Rams just I don't know they're they're not good and like Jared Goff is not going to be uh, the quarterback to attract you know fans in, in Los mm-hmm. Angeles so I think the Chargers have an edge there um, they're sort of going to be the the pr- uh, premier franchise for the NFL and the Rams might be a sort of uh, discount franchise if you will okay. uh, you know it's it's like it's more uh, expensive to go see the Lakers and it goes to go see the uh, what's the other NBA team the Clippers the Clippers yeah you know what I mean it's there's always one team more expensive than the other so I think the Chargers are going to be the the better team team to go watch and the Rams are going to be the ones that you know you can't afford to go see the Chargers so you go see the Rams I think that's the sort of market they're trying to set up so you know I think they have a an edge in Los Angeles in that sense but at the same time you just never know right it could completely flop
1: right and it's going to be interesting to to watch for sure Uh luckily for the Broncos we don't play in Los Angeles in that stadium until the 22nd of October. Um, We do have actually our first two games this year are at home, which is kind of interesting. Our first uh, three of our first four before our bye week are actually at home. So that's going to kind of give us a a little bit of a leg up going into our bye week and having two two divisional games in the first four weeks. So that's going to be an interesting move going into the bye week. And two of those divisional games are obviously uh, at home. The only away game we have is against the Bills. So we're going to go into it. The other thing that I really want to talk about is, um, you know, both the Broncos and the San Diego Chargers, ah, the LA Chargers, <laughs> both teams have brand new coaching staffs. The Broncos brought in Coach Joseph, which was a, a great hire on my, on my from my point of view, uh, as well as the former San Diego head coach in Mike McCoy. So this is going to be Mike McCoy, uh, first game of the season, going straight back uh, and playing his old team. Now I'd like to think that Mike McCoy has a has a leg up because he knows the players and he knows like, you know, personnel and and how they work out, but they also have a brand new coaching staff. So the schemes can be completely different from than when he was there.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're absolutely correct. There, I think that does give the Broncos an advantage with McCoy because the the Chargers, even though they got a new head coach, they still have the same OC, Ken Wisenhunt. So, you know, Mike McCoy was working with Ken Wisenhunt. So you know he knows how this guy works. So I think McCoy is going to be able to deliver, uh, you know, a lot of information to the Broncos. But at the same time, like you said, you know, different scheme, different personnel. It uh, it'll be a challenge. I don't think the Chargers are going to go lightly with even though McCoy is uh, with the Broncos now.
1: Yeah, do and and what is uh, if if you know what was the falling out that finally that finally fell out with McCoy? Was it because the Broncos offered him the OC job? Or was there something else in the background? Because um, you know, there's a lot of rumors that there's a certain some play calling that that wasn't wasn't liked by fans, and that's kind of what drove Mike out of San Diego. Do, do you know anything about that?
0: Um, I think it's. I, I don't think it was necessarily the Broncos attracting McCoy that drove him out. I think it was more or less the the, the franchise, like the Chargers franchise, going through a lot of transition, and uh, also like. Th- their record from 2016 was really uh, underachieving. Like, mm-hmm. they finished, what, 5-11? and Yeah. You know what I mean? And they have Philip Rivers, Antonio Gates, and they had, you know, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. They've got good players, and they finished 5-11, and you know, which is very disappointing. So I think the Chargers were just kind of tired. They needed a change. They were moving cities. You know, it, it was kind of like a good time for, for everybody to move on. You know, I don't really know what went on behind closed doors between the Broncos and McCoy. Maybe they offered him a job and it was a mutual leaving, but at the same time, I just, you know, when you got Phillip Rivers as your quarterback and you finish 5-11, uh, and 11, that doesn't look too good. So, And I mean, they, weren't, they, they ha- hadn't been winning for a couple years as well, right? It wasn't sort of a, a one-season thing. So I think McCoy just, he was in a bad place at a bad time.
1: Yeah, I think it just kind of all fell into place. Um, yeah. The other thing too, I think, I think there's got to be a level of you know when you move, you're trying to rebrand, you, you change your logo, uh, and, and I think at some point you kind of have to change your coach. If that's Absolutely. if you're going to go out, you might as well you know go go full out and, and try to replace everything.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. There's no point in uh, trying to keep building on something that wasn't working as well, you know, and especially in a change. So I think it's a good move for, for LA to, to get rid of McCoy and, and hire somebody new, somebody young as well.
1: Yeah. So now on this, on the other side, let's talk about the flip side of, you know, Mike McCoy knows how Kent Wizenhunt works. Now, how much of Kent Wizenhunt's is... Uh, offense is Mike McCoy's offense like I mean they have very similar play styles and is is that going to be an advantage towards San Diego that maybe Wizenhunt knows also what Mike McCoy's play style is too
0: yeah absolutely I mean working with somebody for I think three years it's you know you you build a certain relationship and you get to know the person quite well and their mentality and their style and all that so I think Ken Wizenhunt does give an advantage. Now, I think the biggest advantage that Wizenon has is not necessarily on how he knows McCoy or whatever, but it's it's based on the fact that he's been working with this offense for three years. Now, Anthony Lynn, like, let's just back up for a second, talk about Anthony Lynn. He, you know, he was an interim head coach for Buffalo for a couple games. He was the OC for Buffalo for the later half of the season after they got rid of uh, Greg Roman. Um, so, you know, he, he has a bit of experience, and he was also the running back coach for LaShawn McCoy. And LaShawn McCoy has been putting up some crazy seasons, you know, in Buffalo. And now he's coming to San Diego and he's got this guy, Melvin Gordon, who's coming into his third year. And he absolutely, you know, he surpassed a sophomore slump last year. This guy was, you know, probably a top 10 running back in the league. So now you got Anthony Lynn in the building who comes in with a different sort of coaching style. But what he's really smart about, though, is he kept Ken Ken Wizenhunt, which means he avoided a sort of change in the offense. You know, he made sure that uh, Ken Wizenhunt and Philip Rivers have a good relationship, and he kept them in this building to kind of keep a certain continuity. So Anthony Lynn, being the young guy, the young coach with limited experience, who's smart in keeping Ken Wizenhunt as the OC. Ken Wisenhunt has head coaching experience; he has won games, he's also lost games, so you know he knows how the NFL works. So keeping him in there, I think, is. The biggest advantage is that continuity in the coaching that's gonna really give Wisenhunt the advantage here. Um, you know him and Rivers; they must be on the same page after three years of coaching. And Rivers has been, you know, doing wonders with the limited talent he's had around him. So, I think that's really the biggest advantage. You know, as opposed to really knowing what McCoy might do or, or whatever it is. Right.
1: Yeah. That's an interesting point you make. Having having the young uh, young coach coming in and, and surrounding himself, it seems very similar to kind of how the Broncos situation is right now with young head coach and Vance Joseph. Uh, young is an experience, but coming in and, and surrounding himself with guys like Mike McCoy and Bill Musgraves, uh, who we took from Oakland, Oakland's old offensive coordinators, now our quarterback coach, surrounding himself with the guys that that have coached in this league have been head coaches in this league and been able to you know, make those decisions and help him out as he's, as he's going through. So having both young coaches uh, as the first game is going to be kind of exciting to watch. but I I do like, I do like the idea and what you're saying with when we're talking about if the Philip, Rizer, Philip Rivers and Wizen Hunt's relationship. That's something that they've had forever. And there's been plenty of times that Rivers had a chance to leave and he he hasn't taken it. He's obviously very loyal to now, whether it's the Chargers organization or Wizard Hunt in general, I'm not 100% sure. But uh, he's very loyal to that team and he's, he's kind of the face of that team.
0: Yeah, yeah. Rivers is uh, by far the undisputed leader of that team. You know, people often talk about him as a potential Hall of Famer. I don't know about that. I think he needs a Super Bowl before he really cements himself. But he's been, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the past decade. Um, with Hunt, he's been doing some great things. Last year, they finished, I believe, ninth in points per game. You know, with, with an underwhelming offense, it's pretty impressive. And now he's getting, you know, Keenan Allen back this year. His receivers are a year older. Melvin Gordon's a year older. And he's got, you know, probably the best running back coaches as head coach now. So it's there's a lot of... Um, a strong strategy there too, and, and like you mentioned with uh, Vance Joseph and in the Broncos, Anthony Lynn, his defensive coordinator is also Gus Bradley, who used to be the head coach at Jacksonville. And like, you know, understandably, he didn't do so well in Jacksonville, but he also used to be a head coach, you know. So, I, I think I read an article last year about Bill Belichick and how he manages his coaches, and he says what he looks for in his coordinators are head coaches. He he wants the, his coordinators to be the head coaches of their side of the ball, respectively, right? So I think Anthony Lynn getting two experienced guys to be his coordinators, ex head coaches, I think it's it's a fantastic move. Uh, same with Vance Joseph. I mean, Musgraves has you know clearly made a, a huge huge impact in in the Raiders, and now he's gonna be the quarterback coach for Simeon. I mean, that's that's a great advantage. And Vance Joseph was he was the DC for the Dolphins, correct?
1: Yeah, for one year yeah. he was the DC for the Dolphins. He came from uh, he was a deep Defensive back coach in Cincinnati for a few years before he went down the Dolphins.
0: Yeah, so he's got a lot of experience. Who's the defense coordinator for the Broncos?
1: Uh, so our defense coordinator is Joe Woods. He was our defensive back coach under Wade Phillips. So okay. everything that we've been talking about. With the de- as when it comes to the defense has been based around that he's not he doesn't plan on changing much from the Wade Phillips defense which I really like in preseason you saw him kind of playing around with some different looks you know our, our defense is very focused on press man coverage you know send a blitzer every once in a while but making sure that our defensive ends can get around the quarterback uh, on our on our uh, pass pass rush and disrupting the timing because that's a lot of A lot of NFL teams, uh, most of their routes are timing routes. There's not very many teams that don't have those timing routes built in. So, disrupting that timing, getting quarterbacks flustered, and then getting that defensive end around. So, I think that's what Joe Woods is going to stick with this year as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's good. See, Vance Joseph, again, he's keeping some continuity on the team, you know. So, I think both these guys, Lynn and Joseph, have had a really good start with both their teams, you know, getting a lot of experience and and making sure the players are. uh, they're not flustered. They're not stressed with change. They're just kind of going through them, you know, not going through the motions necessarily, but they're, they're confident in their coaches and the, the schemes and all that. They, they're comfortable going into the season. So I think it's really good for, for these two young guys. So who do you think has the advantage here between these two head coaches, you know, the Broncos or the Chargers? I know you're going to say the Broncos, but.
1: <laughs> I, you know what? I, I don't know. I, I, I like, I obviously like the Broncos uh, because of, you know, I cover them. 24/7 and, and throughout the whole offseason, I've been I've been covering the Broncos pretty heavily. So, I, I really like the way that Vance Joseph has has dealt with the Broncos situation. And there's there's obviously been a lot more drama and a lot more media attention on the Broncos, which I think that Vance has really deflected very well. There's not other than the whole move to LA. There hasn't been a lot of disruptions or there hasn't been a lot of distractions. In the Chargers organization, for for mm-hmm. Lynn to really have to deal with, so that's the one thing that I think we have. Obviously, we have some other issues in in the locker room, but I think Vance Joseph is the the good fit for a head coach, in my opinion. Where he is a players' coach, he makes sure that the players are doing well, and he he organizes the players, and then he lets his coordinators coach. He lets yeah. his defensive. Defensive coordinator Joe Woods call defensive plays. He lets Mike McCoy call the offensive plays. He doesn't get into, he doesn't micromanage, but he's making sure that his players are doing well. He pulls players aside when they're not doing well. He's a player's coach, and I think that's what, what gives him the advantage over possibly Lynn, who might, coming from an offensive mindset, might be a little bit more into, okay, hey, this is what we're going to do on offense, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, one thing, too, I forgot to mention about Gus Bradley is, you know, I think, I believe their defense is transitioning from a 34 to a 43. So when, when that happens, the first couple games, it's, uh, it can be difficult, you know, especially with people moving, you know, transitioning from positions. I think Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram are now going to be three-point guys, you know, hand in the dirt, rushing defensive ends, which, um, you know, I think that's that's where they should be personally i think joy Bose has bigger advantage there than he does as an outside linebacker but you know it's still the first game might, a couple of games might be tough for for san diego's defense but at the same time they've got a lot of talent so i don't know i think both coaching staffs look pretty uh, pretty on top of what they're doing right now considering how new they are both of them to uh, to these teams
1: i completely agree 100% and it's going to be very interesting for me to see how this how this plays out for us coming up this week so moving on to the next next point here is this the los angeles chargers lost both their first and their second round pick mike williams the receiver and uh, an alignment if i'm not mistaken yeah to injury early early this season like i think it happened in otas and it like before the preseason even started they lost these two guys so how much of an impact would those rookies have had And is it a huge loss? I mean, so we're pretty much sitting with the same L.A. team that we had last year in San Diego that went in. What was it? What was their final record? Sorry, it's five and 11, I believe. Five and 11. So if if you think if you think about that, like we're sitting with the same team and they haven't changed much. They haven't had had made too many moves. They lost both of their starting their first two round picks. Is that going to be is this going to just going to be more of the same for the L.A. Chargers?
0: I it's a big deal that they lost those two guys. I believe Mike Williams, he was an absolute stud in college. I mean, this guy is is built like he's built tough like if he, you know, he's huge and he's got great hands, really fast. Unfortunately, it's a back injury and, you know, it, that's going to be tough especially on his career and especially on this year. But Philip Rivers right,
1: I think I think he's going to he's going to bounce back from it. I mean, if you watched him in that championship yeah. game last year, I mean, he was he was tremendous. I mean, he could make some catches that I, I don't was definitely not expecting exactly, him to make. Exactly,
0: exactly. I think you know once he recovers, he's going to be a huge weapon for the Chargers. But the thing is, though, the Chargers they didn't have Keenan Allen last year. He he had a torn ACL in the first game, um, and he's coming back. And apparently, uh, the the news is that him and Rivers are on the same page. They're Chemistry is on top of it. Yeah, you know, like they're just they're you know, they're they're playing like they did when Keenan first came into the league. So even though they didn't they don't have Mike Williams, now there's Keenan Allen and and they also have Tyrell Williams, Dantrell Inman, and they have uh mm-hmm. you know Antonio Gates, I forgot about him, and Hunter Henry. So, you know, even though they don't have Mike Williams their offense i believe is getting better because the guys are one year older they're one more one year more experienced and i think they're tired of losing too so i think that you know chargers are going to come out competitively but the big but there is their other pick they had Forrest lamp this guy might have been the best guard in the draft last year and he tore his acl i believe like I said in in otas if not early training camp that's a big loss because the Chargers' offensive line, like they got Russell Oakum this year, but as you know, who had Russell Okung last year, I believe it's not a wow factor. You know what I mean? It's not
1: right. He was he was with us on one of probably the worst offensive lines uh, in the
0: league last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. Now I think the Chargers might uh, compete for one of the worst lines like this. It's not. It's really not that impressive. So you know, it's kind of like a, a give and take. I think part of the offense got better, but I think part of the offense also got a bit worse for the chargers that doesn't mean that they're not going to be competitive though it's just sort of a a shift in where the talent is
1: right so so that's a good leeway into our our next subject here i want to talk about uh, matchups that we're excited to see and and you just mentioned that the offensive line might be competing for the worst and now you're going up against guys like Von Miller. You know, we have Shane Ray's injured for the first part, but we have some other big guys. We have Jared Crick and we have Wolf right in the middle. Is are those offensive line in and in those pass players are they going to be able to stop guys like Von Miller? So, I guess kind of leading into the question is it's going to be Von Miller versus Phillip Rivers and how fast he can get the ball out of his hand ultimately. Am I am I mistaken?
0: No, that's pretty much what it's going to be. Like, you know, I, I'm looking at the death chart right now and they've got Russell Okung, Matt Slawson, Spencer Pulley, Kenny Wiggins, and Joe Barksdale. So, not big names guys. You know, I don't think it's guys that can really uh, have a good day against this defensive line. Like the Broncos defense, uh, you know, it's undisputedly a top three unit in the league. These guys are amazing. And, you know, you just talked about guys on the line and within the box, but, you know, their DBs are, you know, I, these guys are just all-stars. It's crazy. So if the game's going to really be played at the line, if the offensive line can kind of come out and surprise some people, I think that, you know, they're going to give Philip Rivers enough time, but, you know, Phil Rivers is a quick rhythm guy. Like, he does not have a very long throwing motion, and he's got a, a cannon too, so... Von Miller's going to have to be very quick. Uh, the, the defensive linemen are going to have to be very smart and aggressive and high-motor because Rivers is, is not a dud. You know, he's, he's difficult to play against. Um, and with other matchups, too, it's across the board, um, I think, you know, the Broncos might have an advantage in terms of covering the the, the receivers because they just have such a strong secondary. But I think the, the Chargers have a, a good advantage here with their running backs and their tight ends because the Broncos linebackers aren't necessarily the best cover guys. I remember last year watching the Falcons play the Broncos and that's how they beat them. They, they just matched up their running backs with the inside linebackers and just passed them all day and they, you know, they they, they one handedly so I think if the the chargers can do that too they can use Gordon in the open field they can try to match up Antonio Gates and Hunter Henry with their linebackers I think that's where the chargers are really going to have an advantage but again like you mentioned it's about the time that you know the offensive line gives to Rivers so eh, you know it's it's going to depend on who's who's got the momentum you know on on, on the drives and, and during the day as, as a whole so
1: right and and I know that we're talking about uh, the the Wizenhunt offense, and if it is the same offense from last year, and I'm sure there's going to be a few differences. He's not going to make it that easy for Mike McCoy yeah, and the Broncos, but it's a very much a spread offense, kind of a you know the spread gun with one back, kind of single back off- option offense. Where obviously that with with. Gordon in the backfield, he can break off at mm-hmm. any point. You just give him the ball, give it up to the middle, out to the side. I, I think they're going to probably throw in at least a few screen plays to him. But I, I think with our man coverage defense... I don't see and I think you're right the only thing that I can see them trying to take advantage of is that safety spot but if we're in the nickel package we also have very good I mean even our third string we have so we have a keep to leave and Chris Harris on the corners and then Bradley Roby who you know we picked up a few years ago has been playing lights out and would be a starter a number one in any other team in the league Yeah most in, likely in my opinion and so now we have you know our three best corner guys we have uh Stewart and Will Parks as our safeties who are young guys that, you know, the reason we kind of got rid of TJ Ward is because we have these young, fast guys that can be able to stop.
0: If the Chargers come out and they spread the ball around and they really like, in terms of their formations come out with a wide set with a, more receivers, like they got good depth at receiver with Tyrell Williams. He was their number one guy last year and he saved my fantasy league. Like he was a stud last year. <laughs> Dontrell Inman's pretty good too. Travis Benjamin always seems to have a couple key passes and they got two top tight ends. You know, both these guys would be starting on any other team. Um, so if, if, The Chargers are able to really use spread formations and force the Broncos to come out with more DBs. I'm sure they'll be able to find a weakness within that strong secondary that they can exploit. Probably around the middle of the field with their slot tight end guys, because, like you said, Aqib Talib and Chris Harris, these guys are pro bowlers. And Bradley Roby, you know, he's he's an absolute sleeper on the defense. Nobody talks about him, but they should be. Like I've been watching him for a couple of years, and he's uh, he's really good. So if they can play their matchups well, which I think they can, Rivers is a very smart quarterback. You know, they they may have an advantage, but again, it's. This game is going to be a game about opportunity. It's not going to be a rollover game for for either team. So whoever's smarter on the field, whoever can make the most plays, they have a great chance of winning
1: obviously it's going to be difficult to score against that Denver defense. And, you know, our, talking about the run game, our defensive line also got a little bit bigger. And I mean physically bigger. We got uh, Domate Peko in the middle now, right right dead center in the middle. And he's a big body, just takes up so much space and he can move. He For a big man, he can move. So uh, between him and Derek Wolf and Jared Crick on the other side, I think they're going to have a hard time. But once they find that hole, it's going to be up to our secondary and our linebackers to, to stop Melvin Gordon. And I think that's going to be our, our primary our primary goal. So now that we talked about a little bit about the Denver's defense and the Chargers offense, let's flip the ball a little bit. Let's flip the field and talk about the Broncos offense and the Chargers defense. Yeah. So the Broncos offense is obviously what is giving us so low of grades when people are doing their power rankings. You know, I think the lowest I've seen us is 16. I think the highest I've seen us is eight, which all this is, and what it's coming down to is our offense. And there's a lot of question marks on our offense and especially with our quarterback play. But let's not forget that last year, Trevor Simeon went four and zero the first four games before he got injured. And then when he came back, he played through an injury and that's where it kind of all went downhill for us. So different playbook, different coaches. I'm excited to just kind of see where this plays out. And Mike McCoy, you know, obviously when he was in San Diego, he liked that spread offense. So are we going to start spreading the ball out more? Because we did keep quite a few receivers, more receivers than I was actually expecting. So, but we also have four amazing running backs, and let's not count out that we just picked up Jamal Charles in this offseason. So in the in the few preseason snaps that we saw him get, he looks like old Kansas City Jamal Charles just running over people, and our offensive line is, is rebuilt, and he wasn't even getting touched. He wasn't even getting touched until about two or three yards past the line of scrimmage before first contact. And, you know, Jamal Charles isn't going to go down on first contact. So it was a, it was kind of a beauty to see. And we're going to see if we're going to stick with the run game or we're going to spread it out. So for us as Bronco fans, it's interesting. It's going to be a really good game to see where the season's going to kind of drive us. Are we going to try to start with the run, go with the pass, or is Mike McCoy going to let Trevor Simeon open up now that we have Bill Musgraves under, you know, coaching him? Where do you see – what do you think the Chargers need to do to be able to stop that uncertainty of, okay, they have amazing receivers, obviously, in in Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas, and we also have amazing running backs, and no matter who's in the backfield, you know, they could get the ball at any time. It's not like there's somebody back there that's only run, you know, a pass block running back. Where do you think that the Chargers need to focus on during this week in practice And on Monday to be able to take advantage of, you know, our questionable, either questionable play or questionable play calling.
0: Well, I think it really starts, you know, at the line of scrimmage because, uh, like you mentioned, the, the Broncos have got some good running backs. And now, you know, Jamal Charles is there absolutely. And, you know, he may be playing like the old Jamal Charles, but don't forget the old Jamal Charles. He likes to get hurt every year, too. So... You know, I I don't know if I necessarily uh, bank a whole lot of money on this guy, but again, he's he's an absolute danger in a weapon. When he's hot, he's red hot. So he's going to be hard to to play against, but I think the biggest advantage the Chargers have is their defensive line. They have Joey Bosa, who, you know, after one year, I I see people talking about him as a potential Hall of Famer. I think it's pretty early to say, but this guy missed the entire preseason. He missed all OTAs and I think he missed the first four games of the season, like with a contract dispute. Comes out and gets ten and a half sacks and just seems unstoppable. Like just watching him play, he, you know, it's as if he's a five, six, seven year veteran and he just, you know, he, he's, he was probably the best player on that defense. So he's gonna be very difficult to stop after a whole training camp and, and a lot of experience under his belt. And you also have Brandon Meebane who is part of the Seattle Defense. This guy was, you know, a stud in Seattle. He's a bit older, but he's a big body too, and he's going to be pretty strong up the middle. Corey Legit as well. He's very experienced. He's been a very good player. And then Melvin Ingram at the other end. So you know, there's four really strong defensive linemen that are going to push, you know, Denver Broncos' offensive line. They're going to really challenge him. I think that's their biggest advantage. And then in terms of the cornerbacks, too, I mean, they've got Jason Verrett, who's back from injury, and they've got Casey Hayward, who I believe had seven interceptions last year, so he's a really strong player. Both Verrett and Hayward, you know, they they have the talent to make a top five unit in the league. Like These guys can be very good. they got a new safety in Trey Boston. You know, we don't really know how he's going to perform there, but... Where did, where did Trey Boston come he from? He came from Carolina. So, you know, he's coming from a good defense too, so he might add quite a bit of value. Um, so I think, you know, if the Chargers really pressure Simeon, they really, really get in their fa- in his face and they, they force him to make quick throws, I think they've got a good chance to slow him down. Simeon, you know, he's got a great coach, but he's not a, a very, you know, He's not a very lightning sort of quarterback. The guy is, he, he doesn't flash very much. He's, he's kind of like Alex Smith, you know. He's going to make the nice safe throws and, uh, and try to win the game by being smart as opposed to being uh, athletically dominant or whatever it is. So, I think if the the, the defense can really get in his face. Pressure him and, and make sure that he he makes some stupid throws from time to time, and those cornerbacks come in and, and capitalize. I think it'd be very strong. Um, I think that the key of this game is going to be played between, like you mentioned, the Broncos defense and the Chargers offense. So you know the, those two guys are probably going to cancel each other out. Those two sides of the ball. So now it's going to be who's stronger: the Chargers defense or the Broncos offense. And looking at this, you know, Broncos have an advantage maybe in terms of uh, of talent on the field, but. Oh, not even. Maybe just in terms of their their coordinator. Sorry, that's what I meant by it. Mike McCoy. He's probably the advantage there over Gus Bradley. But I think talent on the field, Chargers have. Uh, they might have the advantage, just in terms of you know their their DBs and their line. Um, which you know I do have to bring up though. It does mask the fact that the linebackers for the Chargers are pretty soft. They had Denzel Perryman. He was looking pretty good, but he was placed on IR I believe last week, which makes the middle of that defense very vulnerable.
1: Right now, how, how deep do we think the, the San Diego defense goes? Uh, you know, the DB depth, if we start throwing out four or five receiver sets at them, are they going to be able to cover those guys? Or are they going to have to bring over those no name linebackers to try to cover guys like Jordan Taylor, who's had an amazing year last year towards the late and is now going to be playing? And we have big play, fast guys on our offense and, and receivers that are great hands, sure hands. And if they can get the ball into open field, they're gone. Are they going to be able to stop us with their depth?
0: That's questionable, you know. I, looking at their names now, I don't really see anybody that's going to be uh, a wow factor in terms of depth. They are a very, um, I don't re- don't really know the, the correct term for, it, but they're front facing team. So like the starting lineup strong, but behind it, it's it's quite questionable. Uh, like I said, linebacker, their starters are pretty, you know, they're pretty iffy. So their their backups are even worse.
1: Right, and you can argue really that that's what their downfall was Absolutely. last year. They started going down to injuries and now all of a sudden you're going, you know, you're starting to lose games because you, you lost two or three key guys and you don't have the depth to back it Absolutely. up.
0: Absolutely. I think, you know, the Chargers are a team that they have the potential to maybe go 10-6, and six, win the division, and be a playoff team. But at the same time, the same thing happens last year. If they lose one or two receivers, if Melvin Gordon gets hurt, you know, if, if you know, knock on wood, Phillip Rivers gets hurt, they're going to struggle, especially on defense as well. If they lose either Bosa or Ingram, That's going to be a huge hit to the defense. Um, And, you know, Verrett, he's been hurt last year. So, you know, it's always kind of iffy when they come back. So, I don't know. It's tough to say. Like, the the depth on the defense is going to be pretty soft for San Diego, I think. But at the same time... If they stay healthy, though, they're uh, they a very strong unit. Very, very strong unit. And, you know, does are the Broncos willing to trust uh, Simeon without a run game? Say they do what you said they're going to do, and they, they open up their formations and go five receivers, four receivers, and sacrifice a bit of the run game. Is that really the the biggest advantage? Because even though the Charges might not have as much depth, still, you know, Simeon throwing the ball, who's not necessarily a Pro Bowl quarterback, who's been known to... Not nah, yet. Not <laughs> yet, I don't know. I don't know. He's banking a lot here. But I don't know. You know, if, if Simeon's got a good game and it's, he's been coached well and he's he's playing well, they could absolutely beat the Chargers. But if the Chargers' defense really comes out as they should, uh, it's going to be a tough matchup for them for sure.
1: Right, and, and I think something that you're going to mention. So we talked about, you know, Von Miller versus – Philip Rivers. And now we got to talk about, you know, obviously you talked about it. He missed a few games last year with that contract dispute and he still came back with a 10 and a half sacks. Yeah. Joey Bosa versus Trevor Simeon in our offensive line. Now, you know, can, if we can hold Joey Bosa to, you know, nothing, if we can hold him to no sacks or maybe even just one, I think that we can we can definitely take advantage of of their defense. Because of that depth, but if we can't, if we just let him run wild on us, it's going to end up being you know like it was last year against the the Oakland Raiders when we we let the the Mac truck take us out five or six sacks, and now all of a sudden we're down and field positions lost.
0: Yeah, yeah. Who's the uh, the left tackle for the Broncos? Is he a rookie, Garrett Bowles?
1: Yep. So Garrett Bowles won the job. Uh, he actually won the job pretty early. I think they kind of knew that though when they drafted him. They knew that he was going to come in and take over that spot. And then, but, you know, our offensive line, we've picked up Ronald Leary from Dallas and
0: Menelik yeah. Watson. Yeah. Menelik Watson as well. Man-o-like Watson.
1: And then, our, obviously, you know, yeah. the, we, we filled the holes that we needed to if they play together as a team. And I think the Ronald Leary pickup's even better because now we have not, it's not just a bunch of young guys. He's also, you know, he's a seasoned vet. He, he was blocking for Ezekiel Elliott when he went off for his, you know, record breaking season as a rookie. So, it's not, it's not like he's new to the new to the game or new to the position so he's he's definitely a great addition to our offensive line and where we went wrong and i feel like you know at least a, almost a single point of failure for our our missing the playoffs last year in our offensive line has really been plugged it's been fixed now are they going to be the Last year's Dallas Cowboys offensive line, probably not. They're probably not going to be the, the pass-blocking offensive line that, that Brady has in New England, but it does give us a little bit, that extra bit of push, and I think they're going to get better over time as the season goes on, so we definitely have that to look forward to.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, the game is, you know, one and loss of the Lions. I think the Broncos, uh, they really did upgrade quite well. Menelik Watson, he was there with Oakland. Oakland was last year a top-three unit. Uh, same with Leary, and then you know Matt Parody and Max Garcia. I think they've been with uh, the Broncos for a while, so they have that you know the the, the continuity within the team. So yeah, their, their offensive line is definitely good. Um, Chargers defensive line is very good as well. So that's going to be a good matchup. I think that's going to be really the, the the key part to watch in this game is going to be uh, those two lines going head to head. I think that's going to make or break the game.
1: So I think what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to put up Bosa against Max Garcia on that left side. They're going to put him up against Max Garcia and the rookie and Garrett Bowles and try to get a mismatch. Um, because I think that's, to be 100% honest as a Bronco fan, that's our weak side of the line. And you saw it, especially in preseason. But I think that's what they're going to try to do. And if I'm yeah. San Diego, that's what that's where I'm focusing. I'm like, okay, let's put up our, our top guy. I mean, if I was playing them and I knew that they had an offensive lineman that, you know, was a rookie or, you know, had some struggles the year before, I'm putting Von Miller on that side. You know, I don't care if he normally plays on the left side. Let's put him on the right side and try to get this mismatch. You know what I mean? Absolutely.
0: Oh, that's, and that's what these players do, too. I think uh, Julius Peppers and uh, Michael Strahan, that's what they would do. They would just test both sides of the line, and then whichever one they preferred, they just went off, and that's how they became who they are, right? So I think, you know, uh, what's in Gus Bradley, he's going to move Ingram and Joey around. He might put both on the same side some plays. He might really try to confuse this offensive line, because, you know, as well, it's the first year that they're playing together. Yes, they've gone through preseason and training camp together as a unit, but... You know, that first game of the season is tough for offensive linemen to really get the communication, to really stay on point. So there's going to be times where I think this defensive line is going to be able to uh, create some some confusion and really make some plays against the Broncos. They may be few and far between just based on the yeah. talent the Broncos so have. So I was
1: looking at an article earlier today that said that the San Diego Chargers, of their 11 losses last season, you know, obviously 5-11 is never where you want to be as an organization, but the Chargers, of their 11 losses, eight of them came down to one drive. Eight of them came down to, uh, you know, they only lost yeah. by one score, and it came down to one drive that was either flopped or someone dropped a ball or some bad play calls. So it's not someone like San Diego is not exactly someone we could just count as a win starting off as Bronco fans. So and I think, I think Vance Joseph knows that. Obviously, he's... I wouldn't say he's on the hot seat as far as losing his job, but as far as a, being a rookie coach goes, he's definitely on the hot seat to be uh, what we expected him to be coming off of, you know, two years ago we won the Super Bowl, and now he's coming in as a as a rookie head coach to uh, take over a Super Bowl winning team, a Super Bowl caliber team, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how he plays that, and, and I think he knows that going in against San Diego.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's in a place where the pressure's very high off the start. Uh, Broncos, you know, especially since Elway got there, he's the the prestige of the organization has gone up and so has the expectation. So, you know, if the Broncos aren't a playoff team this year, it's going to look really bad. But the Chargers, I mean, they've come off like two losing seasons. They got nothing to lose. Like you said last year, they were You know, they were a team that just didn't seem to be able to close. You know, it's it happens every year. There's a handful of teams that, man, they're so good. They look so promising. They're explosive, but they just can't close a game. You know, it's it's like a salesman who's got a great pitch but can't close a sale, you know. So if the Chargers can figure that out, I think, you know, Anthony Lynn's Gonna be able to really change that culture around. He's got a very commanding personality. He's a no, you know, no BS type of guy, and he's really gonna, I, I believe, straighten up this organization. And I think it's gonna make a difference. You know, if they're able to solidify the running game and close with the pass, it's gonna be a big, big offense to stop. Uh, they've got some great players. So, like you said, the Broncos can't consider this a win right away. You know, I think the, the charters have an equally as good a chance to win this game. I mean, you know, the first week of the season is kind of like the fifth week of the preseason as well. It's the first time all starters are playing the whole game together. It's the first, you know, sort of real rehearsal they have as, as a unit. So even, you know, with everything going on around them with the move and all that, if they're able to manipulate that correctly, they can use it as a huge motivational factor. You know, a new city, uh, new fans, they've got to win them over and they got to do it fast. And what better way to do that than by beating the Broncos?
1: That's that's going to be the big key to this game is is you know don't get ahead of ourselves with the fact that we have the talent and uh, we definitely especially last year we went one and one with San Diego on a Thursday night game that everybody was I know as Bronco fans were very livid about how that that whole game played out we that was one of those that we were expecting you know the Chargers came in I think they had one one or two games and we're like oh we got this game and then somehow. The, our orange jerseys just didn't do it for us because we just we just kind of fell apart so that's definitely something as, as Bronco fans we have that that living in our memory and we definitely don't want that to happen again especially first game of the season I honestly can pinpoint the reason we didn't make the playoffs last year in the first place was because we did so terrible in the division and and we need to win these divisional games
0: yeah absolutely it's, it's key I mean I'm looking at the schedule last year and I'm I mean, like the the Broncos lost to the Chargers the week after they lost to the Falcons. So I mean, like they were, you know, if you lose to the Falcons, like that's that's a tough one. That's that's hard to come back from, you know. Yeah, and uh, that was another one too because our we but... we kind of okay, yeah, I <laughs> see where you're going here,
1: <laughs> and, and that was a hard one for us. We had um, <laughs> we we thought our defense was indestructible and we thought we were unstoppable, and then uh, you know we went down to to play Atlanta and and Julio Jones and Matt Ryan had a a field day with us like it was it was just not fair and um so that was that was an interesting time and then we came off of that thinking okay at least we have san diego the next week our defense can get back to normal and it it just didn't didn't fall so we definitely know all too well that we can't count them out right away
0: and yeah these these divisional rivals like it's both teams can be as good as each other on any given Sunday. You know what I mean? It's like the Rams always gave the Seahawks troubles every time they play the game. Even to, even though Rams were such a poor organization, poor team, the Seahawks were so good, it was always a challenge. So same with the Chargers and the Broncos. It's going to make a difference. And also, you know, they only had four days to prepare for the Chargers. They went, they played the Falcons on October 9th, and then they played the Chargers on October 13th in uh, San Diego. So that, a short lead like that is very, very hard to win in. So... Yeah, so it's a bit of a tough situation, but it's a great rivalry. You know, when you see these two teams play, you're always expecting a great game, regardless of the outcome.
1: So, uh, before we go into our next segment, I do want to. I, I just pulled up the Vegas odds. Uh, currently, the Denver Broncos are favored by three and a half points, which I, I'm surprised. I thought it'd maybe be two and a half points. They thought it would be a little bit closer game, but three and a half points, the Broncos are favored. But obviously, it's going to be a good game, and it's going to be a late game. So let's let's see how uh, how they play you know, in primetime, too. That's the first primetime or not the first primetime game of the season, but uh, the late latest primetime game that we're ever going to have. And it's in Denver on Monday night. So so uh, as we get close to the end of our, our podcast here, let's go down the line and give me your keys on how the Chargers what keys do the Chargers need to do? Who needs to play well to beat the Broncos?
0: Uh, I think it like you know we had mentioned multiple times here. It's all about the offensive line. If they can come into this game and and uh, surpass their expectations that people have on them and play very very well and open up some holes for uh, for Gordon and just give Rivers that extra second to release the ball, I think that uh, it's going to make a big difference. And at the same time, it's really going to come down to the coordinators. How are they going to be able to match up against the Broncos? A lot of these games is something we don't talk about. Is you know. Are they going to be able to, the coaches can be able to compete against the other team's coaches? You know, it's not only about the players on the field. So if Ken Wisenhunt and uh, Gus Bradley can make the right calls at the right time, I think it's going to be um, a a big day for, for the Chargers. But like I said, it starts and ends with the offensive line. And also, you know, Philip Rivers, how is he going to connect with these receivers? Are they going to stay healthy? Or is Keenan Allen, he's coming back from an ACL injury. You know, only Adrian Peterson's able to do that and, and not flinch. Everybody else, it's, it takes a couple games to get going. So, you know, I'm sure Aqib Tlaib is going to be very physical with Keenan Allen, so it might scare him off. And one thing I, I do want to point out, too, is Antonio Gates, his next touchdown pass will put him as the all-time touchdown leader for tight ends in NFL history. Wow. So a lot of eyes are going to be on him as well. Um, I think Rivers is going to try and give him one, so hopefully the Broncos will let him at least take one, oh, no. you know. be a no, historical get that moment. next week. <laughs> Next week? Okay, yeah. Uh, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. But I think uh, they're they're really going to push uh, to get the ball to Gates and to, to Henry and all that. So, uh, not to repeat myself, but for the Chargers to win, it's all going to be about that offensive line. And then on the defensive side of the ball, it's going to be uh, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. How can they pressure Simeon into making bad throws so Verrett and Hayward can come in and, and make some big plays? That's really where the game's going to be uh, played.
1: And on the opposite side, I, I think the way that the Broncos beat the Chargers are... Trevor Simeon needs to show everybody that he's not just an average quarterback and that he has the ability to make those big throws down the field and not just check down every time he gets frustrated. He's going to need to make some big plays down the field to Demarius Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders and get, you know, just throw one of those deep balls, get an 89 yard touchdown or something and I think our big playability is going to win it, and I'm going to I'm going to go into something that we really haven't talked about. About our key is special teams. So last year it was very frustrating because our defense was great, but we kept giving them the ball, and our field position was just awful every single time. They we always gave them the ball. They always got a lot of a lot of return yards off punts, and we need to keep that down to a minimum. And with Brock Olivio, who's our new Special teams coordinator. I think he's really found that that mesh, and he's he's bringing in a new look for special teams. So I think ultimately with LA's quick strike ability and we with Philip Rivers, we cannot be giving you guys. We cannot be giving LA the field position we can't be putting them on our side of the 50 every single time we punt the ball so I think field position and special teams is going to play a huge role into this week's game and as long as we have that special teams field position we control the clock and Trevor Simeon I, th- I say Trevor Simeon needs to throw for two touchdowns and maybe you know we can run for one or two more and that's what's going to win us this game
0: yeah that's a great point with two like you know it's hard to say that they're evenly matched, but I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched in terms of talent, coaching, and like everything we talked about. So, like you're you're totally right. It's going to be field positioning. It's going to be special teams. that are going to really make the big difference here. I mean, the the Vegas odds say three and a half points. That's you know that could be a field goal, right? That completely changed that. This game could very well be won by one or two field goals. It could be a last minute thing, last second. It could be a fumbled punt, whatever it is, right? So, if if all three phases of the game, you know, if we're evening them out. I think you're right. I think special teams are going to be making a big difference right.
1: here. And I, I'm going to I'm going like to add this. one more one more thing to mind because you you mentioned it uh, when we talk kicking kick and field goals is that our red zone percentage last year was atrocious. So for Simeon to prove that he's a quarterback ready to be a starter on any team in the NFL, he needs to make those big plays in the red zone. You know, we can't get the ball into the red zone to settle for a field goal every single time. It just we can't win games like that. So that's how he's going to prove. The, the analysts, the NFL analysts, and the ESPN analysts, that's how he's going to prove them wrong, that he is a quarterback that needs to be in this league.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know what, they they got the offensive line for it too. You know, hopefully if, you know, if, if you don't have to rely on a quarterback in the red zone, it's all, always good. You know, if you can just punch it in with your running backs, that takes a lot of pressure off your guys. So hopefully, you know, they, they fix that issue too, but... um it's surprising that they 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 had so much issue with in the red zone with these big receivers they have, you know. Well, it's, it seems to be so easy to just kind of toss up a back corner fade, but I mean, let's be honest here, we're not professional quarterbacks, <laughs> but you know, it seems like that's a simple thing to do and um yeah, the Broncos did struggle quite a bit. So hopefully they fix their problems.
1: I know that Vance Joseph in his when he was talking about the the game to the media the other day after practice, he was saying that their first goal on defense is to stop Melvin Gordon. I think that's gonna that's obviously gonna be our key on defense is we just need to make sure that wherever he goes we are and we can't let him we can't let him into the into the open field or else he's gonna make us he's gonna make us look silly. So as long as we can stop that and we can score in the red zone, I think that we got this game in hand. But obviously that's a lot easier said than done. So <laughs>
0: It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a heck of a matchup. I mean, Melvin Gordon. I think the biggest like advantage this guy has is Anthony Lynn. He's you know he coached Lashawn McCoy in Buffalo, and Buffalo had a very underwhelming team. And McCoy always came out as one of the top running backs in the league. So I think Gordon, he's gonna be uh, very difficult to stop this year. That the offense can be centered around him. And uh, you're correct. Like if, if Broncos can stop him, I think he got a good chance. But if he goes off, yeah, they're gonna have a long day.
1: Okay. I agree. All right. So do you have any uh, any final thoughts before we sign off?
0: Even though I'm the antagonist here to the Broncos, I do think the Broncos have a good chance to win this game. Um, I'm thinking maybe somewhere between uh, you know 24 to 21 to 27, 24, somewhere around that three-point range, I think that's uh, so where the Broncos are. But at the same time, don't be surprised if the Chargers come out hot and they win this game. A lot of people have uh, have them predicted pretty highly this year. So you never know what we're going to see. It's going to be a good game. I'm looking forward to this one. Right,
1: and... I, I... If I'm going to throw out my opinion here, I think it's going to be. I think you're right. I think we'll have about a 28 to 21 or 28 to uh, maybe 17 for the Broncos. I think. I think we will pull away a little bit, and as long as our special teams does their job. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate everything you've done, and I will see you next week. I also want to throw out a very special thank you to the Mad Fanatic. He is a Denver Bronco fan who releases music and space pretty much all the way around the Broncos. So thank you so much for letting us use your music. If you guys enjoyed the intro song, and we'll play a little bit at the end here for you, then please go buy his new album. It's out on iTunes and all the music stores
0: now. Yeah. Have a great one. Thank you, Jared. Thank you.
1: Orange, man.